0: What if a black girl knew? You are listening to WIA BGK, the What If a Black Girl New podcast. I am your host, Dilemma, and I have another special guest for you today, Bola Agbaje. I'm
1: always battling with the how much do I say? How much do I not say? How much do how much will people take it as angry black girl complaining or how, you know, and I'm always like, and especially like as my career goes, I'm always just like, how much do you hold back? How much do you, do you put out? But then it's sometimes, it's just not even about me. It's about, it's about other people. And it's about making sure that other people feel, especially black women, don't feel that they're alone or that there isn't someone fighting their battles for them because we are like, and we are all doing it collectively in our own way. And so, Twitter has been amazing because it's been a platform where finally we have a voice. And I think it's been years that we've not had a voice and we've been overlooked. And all of a sudden you find a community of women that are just like you, Mm -hmm. who are going through exactly the same experiences as you. But you then go, oh yeah, I'm not alone. And like, that's the biggest thing in the world that you need to like, figure out that like, I'm not alone in this. Like, I, like everyone wants to find their tribe. And like, that's part of like, why we exist and what, what we, you know how we survive and so like it's nice to know that there's a tribe of like black women who are gonna do what they need to do in order f- for the world to know that we exist and we're here and it's a am- and it's an amazing time to like be a part of that community
0: yeah for, i i definitely agree like even what you were saying about just literally um just going on twitter and just knowing that people other people are there yeah. who, who who are like you like-minded and i'm just like you know, first of all, big up Twitter for, for that opportunity, me, uh, yeah. but at the same time, I, I just think that for, for so many people, I feel like the truth will set us free, and you have to think about it as well, not many people are that as conflicted in that. You know, like when you said, oh, um, I don't know uh, sometimes whether to say too much or say too little, you, you know, black women are the most people who have those thoughts.
1: You know. Yeah, it's true, because we always know that we're, like, constantly being judged, like, we're yeah. constantly, we constantly have to worry so much about how we present ourselves to the world yeah. um, in every aspect of our life, whether it's with your relationships, whether it's at work, Even like, whether it's, is, is, like, yeah, right. everything, like, you're constantly worrying about, like, okay, how do people perceive me, what do people think of me, how are they going to accept me, so, yeah, it's such a, it is, it's a really, really, really tough thing being a black woman like it really really is hard but then like yeah but it's like I find comfort in knowing that like I the most the most love I've ever had has been from black women yes. do you know what I mean like the most kind of like I'm rooting for you I want you to succeed um I
0: yeah it's been black women so yeah do you know what yeah that's that for me that's always what reminds me that you know i'm doing i'm doing the lord's work (laughs) like i'm literally doing good work because it's like um we we don't speak we're not that loud but when you hear us we're saying thank you yeah
1: 100
0: do you know what i mean we're saying thank you and it's like rah. i'm so like wow but anyway bola Abaje is an award-winning playwright and screenwriter Abadjay's work premiered at the Royal Court Theatre and won the 2008 Olivier Award for Outstanding Achievement. Bala's play, titled Gone Too Far, was then adapted into a screenplay, which was released in cinemas October 2014. She has since gone on to write more plays and collaborated on various British films where she receives her due writing credits. So I started as a playwright
1: because um, I got into theatre because um, I did the young writers program at the Royal Court Theatre they used to do this they still do actually they do a program where they do a 12-week course every year um, for a group of like young people between the age of like I think it's 16 to 25 mm-hmm. Um, and so I applied in 2006 and I did the course in 2006 and then I wrote my first play mm-hmm. and so that, um, and then that first play got accepted as part of the Young Writers Festival, so usually um, they do two plays every year, no, every two years as part of a Young Writers Festival at the Royal Court Theatre, and so my play was like one of the two plays that was performed for two weeks um, in the theatre, and that's how I started.
0: That's amazing. What's the name of the play? Gone Too Far. I
1: made Gone Too Far into a feature film, so... A lot of people don't know that originally there was a play, so Gone Too Far, there's a play, and then there's Gone Too Far, the film.
0: (laughs) So you started doing playwriting um, in 2006, and what was the thing that drove you to... To playwriting?
1: Well it's so funny because today I was having this conversation with Femi Ogans because he he owns um, Identity Drama yeah. and we used to, many moons ago we used to both work in fo- um, Topshop together in Oxford Street and he had just come out of um, drama school mm-hmm. and he we were talking on the shop floor one day and he's like he's going to set up his own drama school because obviously he came out of drama school and he wasn't getting roles or he wasn't getting auditions and stuff mm-hmm. and so I wanted to be an actor at that point mm-hmm. um, so I joined his drama school I was like one of the first students at his drama school There was like probably like 15 to 20 of us um and but when we were at drama school you know it was cool it was great because I was learning how to be an actor but at the same time what was kind of disappointing about it all was that we were always doing plays by white playwrights so we weren't there was never any plays by any black playwrights or any plays that had my frustration came when I didn't see anything that had my name boller in it and you know like you're just like I exist in this world yes. why do I not exist on stage or or on television or in any form like so after a while I kind of just realized that I just didn't I didn't want to be an actor like I wanted to be someone that created work for actor for actors um and then that's what I did so I quit um drama school and then I looked for writing courses found the Royal Court and then that's where I just went and just wrote my first play
0: you actually chose you actually made a decision because you realised there's something lacking here that's not feeding my spirit. 100%. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and I remember it, like, Femi was like to me, no, don't quit, don't quit. Like, because he felt that it was like, because, you know, the drama school was still kind of new and they hadn't had, they didn't have the agency yet. It was just a school. And so they would have to try and invite, like, agents down to come and see us perform and stuff. Yeah. So he was just like, don't worry, like, it's going to get there. It's going to, you know, the school's going to get there. And I was like, it's not about the school. It's just about making sure that, like, there are roles for people like us like that there are roles that exist for people like us i just wanted to go from right about our experiences especially being black and british like and being nigerian and like you know living in like in this household where you're a bit african but you're a bit british you know all of that stuff yes. like i wanted to i never saw that anywhere and i never saw that on television i never saw like up until 2007 2008 I don't think there had ever been, there may have been, but I'd never seen any characters on television be called Yemi, Ade, any yeah. of those names. Like they just didn't exist. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay, fine. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go and do it. I'm gonna do it. And the first thing I'm gonna do is write a character that's got a Nigerian name. That's yes. it. That was literally the first thing that I thought that I was gonna do.
0: Yes, and you did that. And
1: I did it, yeah.
0: <laughs> literally just putting everyone on, just putting us on a map yeah because it's important because yeah i just felt that
1: we wasn't again it's that thing when we're talking about representation Mm -hmm. i didn't feel like i was seen i didn't feel like i existed in the world even though i did exist so yeah so that was where it all started
0: okay so so that's that's the playwriting and that's a beautiful story into how you you know evolved into a playwriter Um, i wanted to talk about the film um the film you said you write you screenwriter screenwriter. so so um as a screenwriter could you please tell me a bit about
1: that it's weird because obviously i started in theatre. Mm-hmm. and I tried my hardest to make sure that everybody came to the theatre but like obviously it's also like now things are changing slightly um, because people are going to the theatre but there was a point where it didn't feel like there was a black audience for theatre mm-hmm. and you really have to scream out because also it's also about the, the state of theatre because if there aren't no shows that reflect our experiences why are we going to watch it? Like where we go into Yeah, so I remember when we did Gone Too Far the audience is like... The, um, They'd never seen so many like black young people come to the theater um, before when we did Gone Too Far. And then, um, but again, still, as much as I tried my hardest to invite as many people as I know, you know, is live. If you miss it, you miss it. It's not something you can catch up on. And one of the questions that always used to come up was, um, oh, is it recorded anywhere? Can I see it? Can Imagine. This is back in the day, is there a DVD? <laughs> it's like, no, yeah. there's no DVD. <laughs> you can't see it. Like, if you don't see it live, you're going to miss it. Yeah. Um, And so like, people would always ask like, so are you going to make a film? Are you going to make a film? Mm. And I've always, I think, funny enough, although I fell into theatre, I've always been interested in film and television um so when Gone Too Far because Gone Too Far won a Lawrence Olivier Award in 2008 and then we revived it again and did like a mini London tour Mm -hmm. and then um after that tour someone from the film council they saw the play and they said to me oh do you like literally it was after one of the screenings he chased after me as I was going home and he was just like hi I'm from the film council um I really, really liked this. I think you need to make it into a film. Have you thought about making it into a film? I was like, well, yeah, everyone keeps on asking me, is it going to be a film? And so that's where the journey of like trying to be um, a screenwriter came from because literally, yeah, someone just approached me on the street and was just like, you should write a film. And then that was it.
0: Wow Do you know what it is Yeah I feel like that is the power Of um, going Even though you're not ready Yeah Completely Like just going Yeah Even with your playwriting Led to you the, the, This person Coming up to you About the screenwriting Which now led to you Being a screenwriter
1: Yeah completely Because I Because I knew That there was a difference Like I just learned How to write plays And then it was like Oh now you got to learn How to write a film And a film's a visual medium So I'm used to like Writing loads of dialogue And stuff like that And then all of a sudden it was about learning how to cut back on that dialogue and tell a story visually. Um, so yeah, it took it took a few years to kind of like learn what it was like of how to write a
0: screenplay. From uh, playwriting to screenwriting, um, how long did the, was the process? You, you said it, it took. A so long I was long. a
1: playwright for I started so officially I kind of started writing. Well, Too Far came on in 2007, um, February 2007, and then for about three three years. I think I was a playwright because I had other plays. So I I wrote Gone Too Far. Mm. Um, I wrote a play called Detaining Justice and then a play called Belong. But in between writing Detaining Justice and writing Belong, that's when I started the journey of becoming so, a screenwriter. Right. Yeah, so, so I started in 2008 the process of trying to make Gone Too Far into a film. Mm-hmm. And it took four years to kind of like really like figure it out, mm. drafts after drafts, um, trying to like you know, trying to get this thing done and made. Um, and then we didn't make Gone Too Far to 2013.
0: Okay, okay. That that was um, because of how much work went into it. Yes and no, but also the state of the industry. Bola like... speaks to me about the difficulty in telling black stories. As someone creating screenplays and theater plays surrounding the black British experience, she tells me of the various hurdles put in place.
1: Writing plays with black characters was easier than trying to write a film with black characters because at the time people just be like, you know, it's a film it's a film about a Nigerian British family, only Nigerians are gonna watch it. Oh, it's a film about young black people that live on an estate, only black people are gonna watch it. And wow. back then, um yeah, back then people just didn't want to put their money down, um, when it came to like black characters for television and screen because they just didn't think there was a market for it. So yeah. Every every door we went to, we just got a. This is not going to work. Does this this is a niche film? Who's going to watch this?
0: When we watch movies as black people, uh, um, like uh, I'm Nigerian as well. Like when we watch movies, regardless of who is on the screen the story is what's important to us. Yeah, 100%, because it's feel, what we've been
1: raised up on. Like, my mum, I, I always say to people, my mum watches Bollywood. Like, mom, There's a channel yes. on Sky called Rishti. Yeah, it, she <laughs> but she, Rishti, she comes to my house, in her house, if she's at my house, she where's the rumor? Rishti. Like, mm-hmm. she puts on her subtitles and she watches it all day long. My mom's mum's not yeah. Indian. My mum doesn't understand Bangladesh or like um, Hindu or, or any of that, but... Yeah. She understands relationship and story. Yeah, That's what she's most humanity. attracted to. Yeah. And
0: so for me, I found I found it. You know, we were we would we believed this narrative, and even for us, because not only are were they, you know, uh, spitting out this rhetoric, we started to believe it. So, so for me, I found it really hard for a long time to niche in my in my spoken word poetry in my career. I felt like if I niched, then you know, I was leaving people out that's how
1: i felt yeah because that's but it's also again it's the it's the conditioning that we've been conditioned to feel like that because we're constantly conditioned to feel like we're minorities like so we're constantly told oh there's not that many of you like you know whenever sometimes you know people complain or if you go the bbc needs to have more black shows or it needs to have more black leads or you know someone will come with oh but black people only represent 14 percent or whatever percentage it is but it's it's like no it's not we like As a Nigerian, Mm -hmm. we're a global majority. Like, so... It, and it took me travelling, when we finally made Gone Too Far, we entered it into the film, so it launched the London Film Festival, and then we went to quite a few festivals around the world, so we went to the Durban Film Festival in South Africa, and also AFRIF in Nigeria, and it was going to those two festivals that made me realise and really truly understand how much of a majority we are, and also how our stories are worldly stories they're not just stories that are just for black british um it's it's seen as the black british experience no like our stories are global and i think that now the world's catching up to that mm-hmm. and understanding that, but it took us a while to kind of figure that out. I feel
0: like it's because we are catching up; we are actually waking up to yeah, it. Completely. I feel like there's a lot to do with uh, uh, self confidence along that line as well, or raising of self esteem amongst Black people, because I feel like we've started to see ourselves for who we truly are.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it takes a while, but I mean, it. I mean, think about it through history. Through there's so many things that that have told us that we're not we're not important and that we're not special and we're below average average so it does take a while and that's why i'm always so grateful like i talk about being nigerian all the time but i know that in my household i was constantly made aware and And constantly made to feel and understand that I'm special and I'm important. Do you know what I mean? Like the pride that my parents carried within themselves. Yeah, it doesn't go. But that Nigerian pride is what has pushed me forward and has taken me to the points where I am now. One time a journalist said to me, Oh, you know, growing up on, I grew up on the North Peckham estate in Peckham. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was like, Oh, growing up on the North Peckham estate, like what made you feel that you could, you could get out? And I'm just like, And at the time, I remember, like, being like, what? That's, like, a dumb question. What do you mean, get out? Like, everybody on that estate wants to get out. Like, everybody has a dream to, like, leave this behind, like... And I understand people get caught up in their circumstance and their situation. But I grew up in a Nigerian household. I thought living on an estate was like a palace and a maze. Like, it was only until I was like 16, 17, 15, 14, no, yeah, about 14, 15, that I started to understand the reality of where we lived and understand that this place is a bit of a shithole. Do you know what I mean? Like, but up until that point, I never had a problem with where I lived because my parents made the most of their situation. My mum would... Didn't matter that we lived in this two-bedroom cramped flat where there's four kids in one room. Like, when it's time to go to those parties, my mum's wearing the best. She's wearing her jewellery. She's wearing her gele. Like, there's a sense of pride that Nigerians carry with themselves that I think transcends where, where you've grown up or what situation or circumstance you have. Um, and I think that that, that's, that has a huge effect on who I am as a person and understanding that no matter what the narrative was, I know that I'm special. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Even, even, and it's also that thing of like, the world just needs to catch up. Yeah. Like, it's just the world. It's not, it's not For us. Sure. The problem is, doesn't lie with us. Yeah. The problem lies with the world's view on us. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, listening to you, I know that as a writer, um, I'm thinking that identity, like, is so important oh, to Oh, so.
1: Every single one of my stories has identity and belonging
0: in it. What else is as important or what else are you wanting to um, explore with your artistry
1: yeah identity is always going to be a huge huge thing for me and that's because I think it is yeah it's just growing up being being someone whose parents came to England um when they were 26 27 um to start a new life and start afresh and so and constantly having a sense of like they're making home and they're creating home but home is also somewhere else you know um that's always been a huge thing in my life because I think that our parents don't realise that they're saying it, but they're constantly going, when I retire, when I retire, when I retire, I'm going back home. I'm going back home. I'm going back home. So the sense of like, this is home, but it's not home home yeah. has always been something that I think has been embedded in me. And also, I guess the way that society treats us, you know, like I feel like I'm a Londoner, but I don't feel like I'm British. Yes. Um, And so all of that plays a huge effect and huge like influence on like who I am, mm-hmm. what I think of myself, but also the stories that I want to tell, because when I, when I want to tell stories about people that look like me, I, and I, I see those, um, conflicts in, in those, in people's lives that I think that are similar to mine. So, yeah. So I think that identity is such a huge kind of, you can find identity issues in, in so many stories and so many like, um, things. Um, so that's why that's really interesting to me, but also, yeah, telling, stories from the female perspective yes. like originally i wrote my play um and it's about two two brothers um one who's british and one who comes over from nigeria and oddly enough in my household um there's four girls and one boy and my sisters were the ones that came over from nigeria um to live with us Um so our household was divided Um so it was myself and my brother who were the british kids and then my sisters who were the nigerian kids um But growing up, you watch television and you don't even think that girls lead stories or are the leads in stories. So without even realising it, I wrote a story and I made the two, what should have been my sisters as a lead. You made them men. Two boys, yeah. And and then, but then working in this industry and realising how much like black women aren't even featured in anything or stories has made me kind of more i'm so like that's all i ever pitch any story i ever pitch has always got a black woman Do you know what to-
0: i want to respect you i want to give you some respect right now just for admitting that you know because you know there is a story even in that sentence that you just said and there is a message there because um first of all kudos to you for even realizing because you know some people live their lives yeah, without, without realizing um, that yeah, they actually yeah. did that so kudos for you for even realizing that um now that you know that, you know, when you were younger, that you were conditioned in that way to make the two men the lead. I'm wondering now, um, moving forward into your, into your career, are you fully focused on making women um, centred, um, black women centred? One or...
1: hundred <laughs> percent.
0: Anything I've ever pitched from the, since
1: 2016 has always been stories with women leading. Yes. That's yeah. it. Unless someone's like approached me and said, oh, I've got this story and stuff like that. Yeah. But majority of the time, whenever, whenever I've created a story, it's always been a woman. She's always been the lead. Yeah. Like I come from a, a family full of women. <laughs> like my household is like, we have more girls than we have boys in my family. Yeah. Right. And, and even then there's something in me that didn't realize that like, instead of making women leads, yeah. um, I'm making a, a, so, a, a so, boy. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like. And, yeah, and it took realising, like, going through, like, understanding the industry and understanding, like, I've got so many friends who are actors yeah. and especially black female actors who are, like, constantly telling me, like, they don't get an opportunity to audition for things or when they do, they're not, you know, they're secondary characters or if or if any. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just made me... I, I got to, my eyes... I opened up my eyes and I got to see, like, the world in which we live in and I, I wasn't happy with it. And I'm like, I, I can tell stories that have... I want to tell stories about my mum. I want to tell stories about my sister, my cousins. Like, that's what's important to me because those are the people that have influenced my life and have have had such a huge impact on who I am as a person. This
0: podcast is sponsored by my one-woman show, showing Battersea Art Centre on the 21st, 22nd and 23rd of March, titled Four Women. Come and see the play, Four Women. It
1: excites me yes. that, like yes other people don't even know how to tell our stories mm-hmm. or haven't even fought to tell our stories because then it leaves us to do it yes. and so that's always an exciting thing to like and a pros- like things to look forward to because yeah our stories haven't been told before yes. so fighting to tell our stories yeah is one thing but also the fact that we're going to be the first to do it or mm-hmm. yeah it's always been something that like yeah makes me like I get excited about it.
0: I get excited about that as well, because um I always say like whenever I used to speak in a room uh with uh with black the black people, they used to say, Oh, you know that idea is good, but someone's someone's probably about to do it, someone's gonna do it, and the interesting thing about that is that I've been hearing that for for years, and it never ever comes and out. the thing
1: is there isn't an, and there is like so weird that like there's no such thing as as um uh, um, One Your own Like a one single idea, idea One there idea isn't. There isn't There is somebody else That's probably thinking of about course. Exactly the same thing as you But it's also about execution yes. It's also about Who's going to do it And that's the thing Like And also I've always realised Like I never shy away From telling If someone says to me Oh Like at the moment Like I'm writing this um TV show yeah. And then The other day, someone was just like, oh, I heard someone else is like doing um, their version of this or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, but they're still not going to do it the same way that I'm going to do it. So I'm not it's not a competition. Like it's not and not in an egotistical way. It's just like theirs is going to be different to mine because we're going to come at it from different experiences. So, yeah, we're both black and Nigerian and British, but like it doesn't matter that we're not we're still we've still grown up different and i like. always
0: i always it always bothers me about that because i feel like it's a limiting belief again because at the same time you know i don't know how many stories of uh, romantic boy falls in love with girl in manhattan that i've seen do you know what i mean really? I've, that's seen that's seen that's so <laughs> I've seen loads loads and it doesn't loads. stop you from watching the next, the next one, one yeah so like when people when that's what i go back to when people come and say you know um somebody might do it someone would do it and i just feel like so
1: what who cares it doesn't, it doesn't matter doesn't matter because whatever a good all you have to worry about is creating good
0: content that people the yeah. audience will find it yeah. yeah and that's it and and do you know what we've done it time and time again look yeah. at the nollywood industry how many times have we got one auntie that's a wicked witch like I mean? all it the time matter. even like i'm telling you
1: these bollywood um tv shows that my mom watches yeah? yeah oh my god like they are they're the same like i'm just like to my mom but <laughs> Did you watch the other one that like no 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 this is different this is different because this one this one's mom this one's this one she, this one she's a bad woman but I'm like yeah but that one's mom did something evil to like it's always oh the evil stepmother it's the mean, evil
0: stepmother no, I, for yeah. days but honestly I I so I, I I am also excited about the possibility because even in the art industry uh, as a painter yeah. um the I went to the National Portrait Gallery uh, recently for the first time, mm-hmm. and I walked through, and I was I was so sad because everywhere there was a black person that and um, they were a slave, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought to myself, okay, this is the narrative that is available in two thousand and eighteen, yeah. and you know, I would I was gonna be like, no, there should be more, there should be this, there should be that, but then I realised it's. It's sad, it's more sad because there's nowhere I can go mm-hmm. to see what black British people looked like, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Not even to say, oh, include us in yeah. this thing, but there is nowhere I can go to see it. And it's not because, you know, somebody hasn't thought of it. No one has done it, yeah. you know? And so me, I found that really... But it is, I, the, uh, you know
1: what? My mum said something really interesting to me, like, recently, because my mum and dad, right, said so they've just retired, and so, like, they're literally, they've turned into those, like... I always say that they're old because so, 65 is not really old, but they're old, in it? And so there's times where they'll say things like, oh, so when I was something, 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 they'll just tell you a story. And you're like, I did not know this family history. Like, when did, why have you never shared this with us? And my mum was just like, look, our history is oral. That's the difference. We shared our history by telling it and passing it down and telling stories. Um, whereas like, And also, I mean, when you look back in history, you know, our libraries were burnt down, our, you know, things were destroyed. So even though, like, our our history is oral in one sense, there's also, like our history to figure out like has always been rewritten and that's the problem and that's why I think that our generation is the generation that turns around and says no like you are going to know that we created this you are going to know that we existed you are going to like you're not going to take it away and try and whitewash our history and try and be like oh yeah you guys did this thing but then this white creative did it better or did you know what I mean like and take away our history from us so I think that I think that it's there when we look. Um, But yeah, you're right. Like the thing that's on show in the mainstream isn't necessarily our history.
0: And and I think that what I'm getting at is the fact that we can create it. And that's the excitement yeah. that I was relating to with you. Like, we can create it and we should. You know, like, we should get on job because there's actually so many of us wanting to see it. Yeah. You know, and, you know, if if what's available there is commercial, it's because, you know, if they're shouting it and they're putting it in our face. But if we we do create something as we are excellent. But that's why
1: social media has been our biggest ally in yes. some sense. I mean, you know, obviously it, it's a gift and a curse, but mm-hmm. at the same time, there is those gatekeepers that have stopped us for so long mm-hmm. don't have the access to stop us as much as before. I mean, we see it all the time. You see the things that go viral or the things that like, and of course, like silly things are going to go viral because people just want to laugh and and like cheap, like culture is always My, good yeah, culture and love. Like, I mean, he's a good singer. He just <laughs> still needs to just Gosh. he's gonna like he's gonna i feel like he's gonna get there but you know but again but that idea that like mm-hmm. they, that's why there's sometimes for me the frustration the frustrating thing with um us putting things out there is that i still think that we still have to learn we still have to get better and we still have to master our craft mm-hmm. and i think that sometimes what happens i'm going off track a little bit but like what because of social media because you you can have a direct um access to your audience people are just like i'm just gonna put anything out there and and sometimes that's to our detriment because it's like no we can create good stuff like we just need to take time so sometimes it's like yeah like i don't rush like before i used to be one of those people it's like if i don't do it someone else is going to do it but then i'm like no but i need to take my time and do it good because if i do it good it's going to last forever
0: and and if you do it quickly and anyhow it's going to be like every other
1: yeah and i don't want to be that like i always think about like what do i want my legacy to be and my legacy is that i want my my art and my work to live forever so if i want it to live forever i've got to always try and strive to to do the be- put
0: out the best version of my work. That's such a brilliant way to think and you know um being a writer and being somebody who is like a like a, a true artist those kind of things that I hold so much integrity and I feel like if that's what you're going for you you're most probably going to get it. Amen. <laughs> and it's like and it's cuz not everyone thinks like that, you know? Like e- even with myself with my music Loads of people are asking, release music. Yeah, release they do. Album. I mean,
1: my sister's a, a singer songwriter and she gets the same. But it's like, I always just say to her, take your time, take your time, figure out who, what you, who you want to be and what yep. message you want to put out. Yep. And that's the same with me. Like I, there are times where I'm like, I have to figure out what do I want to say? But not only like the burden of being a black woman is like, not only is what do I have to say? How is whatever I'm gonna say gonna impact us for the better? Yes, and so I'm always constantly having to like battle between that. So I'd rather take my time and try and create something that's good mm-hmm. than putting anything out there that's gonna to be to
0: our detriment. Like I, 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 don't want to add to our detriment. Very integral again because there's so many things out there that actually, um, that actually do hurt, um, yeah. us progressing. Okay, so now we spoke about with your work. We've spoken about so many like aspects of, of it and I wanted to get to know about you yourself like Bola Bajer. I wanted to know like what is the thing that brings you joy
1: you know it's so funny I was thinking about today because so we're going on a family holiday next year and like we've only started doing these you know like being Nigerian I think back in the days people would consider family holidays going back to Nigeria and that's it yeah. right um but like now we've started doing these family holidays where we're going to like different places and this is all of us like this is like two years ago, no, was it two years ago? No, last year. No, it was two years ago. Two years ago was the first time where we all got on a plane together <laughs> to go somewhere. Like our family's never done, this is like 17 people going on a plane together to go on holiday. Um, And my family, I think are the things that, are the people that bring me so much joy in life and that like everything I try and do and try and create is for them. And is for and is to make them proud and is to also especially for like my nieces and nephews to create a better world for them so for them to have something to look forward to and a sense of pride for them to not struggle as much as i I did in life um and so yeah family has always been has always been the The thing that pushes me forward 100% like my family and my friends and my center and my joy yes
0: success is hardly a straight road and when striving for a height of greatness you will meet some bumps in the road i speak to bola about her run in with failure um sometimes when you listen to things a lot of people tell you about all the great things they've done and all of their successes but i feel like the realness and the humbleness and the humanity comes from the fact that you fuck up like you make mistakes things happen and you know you it doesn't stop you from being well at budget yeah no it doesn't it doesn't at all i i guess for me like failure isn't
1: because it's failure well i don't know if i would call them failure because there are times where i'm like i've done stuff or i've created stuff or i've done work and i'm like i might not be 100% happy with it um but then i'm like okay well i'll learn for the next time to be better so i'll learn to do a better version of it the next time um and keep going like my aim as a writer is always to just learn to be better for the next time like I, like until i am the best so so even though there are times where people might be like, "Ah, oh, I didn't like that play or I didn't like that thing that you created or it was just okay. I don't know. I don't know if I would consider them failures because it's like I had to go through that process in order to know that I needed to be better, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. But, I mean, there are times where I don't know if it's failure, but I think it's, there's, there's times where I'm just like, it's not going the way that I want it to go. Mm. So it's times where things are hard and they're hard for... They're hard because sometimes maybe I've made it hard for myself, maybe because also I'm not, I've only learnt this year to, I've learnt the balance between um, working on other people's shows and understanding that it's not my show, it's their show. So I'm contributing to somebody else's dream. So the fight that I'm trying to fight where I'm like, it needs to have black people in it, it needs to have a black woman, it needs to have this, it needs to, you need to tell this story. When people are not listening and you're the only one in the room saying that, it can be highly frustrating and it's just it's just too much stress. So I've learnt that, okay, there are certain things like I need to pay the bills, I need a job, so and I now need to get the credit so I can work on these shows to get that. But then at the same time, I still need to be doing my stuff and I still need to be doing my thing. So sometimes... The failure aspect always comes where it's just like I'm spending less time doing the things that I love and I want to do. And I'm spending more time working on somebody else's dream or somebody else's show because those are the shows that's just going to get made. So, so, yeah. So I think sometimes if I felt like a failure, it's it's that I always feel like I haven't fought hard enough. Mm -hmm. Like I've compromised maybe a little bit too much, even though like, man, I I try not to compromise, but it's hard. It's hard when you're like, okay, I'm going to go to a meeting and go and get a job, even though I know that like they're only, you know, especially in the film industry, right? Um, TV industry, they've created this free tick rule, which is just like on every show, you need to have like a black um, black or ethnic minority or whatever it is um, on that show as a creative. So whether it's on the writing team, a director, you know, a producer or whatever. And what these production companies now do is that, they know that they need to have that in the room, right? So, but we're always the last to get hired for anything. So I, as a writer, I'm always like, sometimes I'll get a, a job offer and it's like, I'll go and meet them and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm at the beginning stages. And this is like, oh yeah, yeah. So we had this writer's room like ages ago and we've had all these people and this show's going to go ahead and we're looking for someone to write an episode. And then it slowly starts to dawn on me that, oh wait, they just realise they don't have a black person in this room. So it's like, okay, I'm going in to represent us. And so sometimes it's really hard because you're just like, do I take this offer, even though I know it's like, they're thinking about me last and they're not thinking about me first. Um, And they don't really want me in the room. Like they don't really care. Like they don't care about what I have to say. They don't care about whether or not my work will influence and make this show better. Like they don't, they just need a black person. So they're gonna hire a black person. so sometimes I'm always having those conflicts of like, how many of those rooms do I say, no, I don't want to be in it. Like, if you can't think of me first, don't think of me at all. Yeah. And how many times do I kind of go, well, need someone needs to be, yeah, I need that check. And also someone's got to represent.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Yeah, that is such a conflict for, I feel like every creative that yeah, is a black 100%. woman. Like, it's such a conflict. And, and it's, 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 you know, it makes me think that, like, I need four four hands. Yeah do you know what i mean two yeah. to go into these rooms to yeah. go and get the check yeah. and two to come and make the work that's going to that change you the world do, yeah
1: and so yeah and so so i think sometimes where i feel like a failure is is that i'm spending more time doing the other work yes. than i am doing the work that i want to do and tell the stories that i want because it's harder to tell the stories that i want to tell yes. because i'm not getting the opportunities to have those rooms and have those spaces yes. and you know and even when you do like like, right now, like, I've, I'm going to have my own writer's room for a show that I've been working on, right, or trying to create. And even then, you know, like... And they sometimes they don't mean it or they don't know... They don't know consciously that this is what they're really saying. But they're going, okay, cool. We love this idea. We love this story. We want to give you a writer's room, mm-hmm. um, but also you're new, you're fresh. And you're just like, I've been doing this for 10 years. I'm not new. Oh no, but you know, you don't have a TV credit. You haven't got a, you know, um, you've never run a room before. Yeah, but I'll learn. Yeah, but you know, oh, we need a senior um, writer to come and help manage things to help you, you know, not someone to take over, but someone to just help guide you. Why do I need someone to guide me? Why, you know? And and so it's such a hard place to be in because sometimes you just like, sometimes you have to just say, yeah, fine. All right, give me this mentor that doesn't look like me, that doesn't even know my experience or know anything about this story, but because they're white and because they've worked in the industry, they automatically know better. And you're going, but they don't, yeah. but but you're you're stuck. So I think that when I, I feel like a failure is when I'm like, I wish I could turn around and be like, nah, sorry, yeah. don't need that. Yeah.
0: If I had less integrity, I would be so rich. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's me. Do you understand? That's me. I and mean, then I just feel like, you know... At this point I'm like hmm, If I give in now Then why did I not give in All of those other times Yeah one, That's the level And also, also it's right like I,
1: Like I say Like family is important to me So my mm-hmm. niece and nephews They're at those ages now You know They're like between 10 and 16 And I always just think about What is life going to be like for them mm-hmm. If I'm in this room now And I'm in this space mm-hmm. And I quit now how hard is, it's hard already for me. Mm-hmm. So how hard am I going to make it for their generation and the people that come b- behind me? Mm-hmm. So I'm always concerned about the people that's come behind me. Yeah. Um, And so that's where I'm always like, oh, I can't compromise now. Yeah. Or even if I, like I compromise small, small. So like my small, small compromises is fine. I'll work on someone else's show. Yeah. But when it comes to my stuff,
0: yeah.
1: no, I'm going to fight for, everything that i've wanted so the fact that a show is a black woman as a lead i'm going to fight for that Mm -hmm. if you tell me you don't want to make it fine i won't make it i'll go somewhere else like i'm not going to do those compromises it's like you, they don't say it no more because obviously I think that a lot of producers have been caught out and commissioners but before if I ever pitched an idea that had a black lead in it someone would always turn around and go yeah you know this is a good story but you know the angle in which you're coming at it is a little bit um, you know we need to make it more universal yeah. so their universal is you need a white character yeah. and although like I'm not against having white characters in my story like I understand the world is full of people. No
0: one no one, nobody black actually, actually wants to stop white people from doing anything no ever, no, ever. ever. like what i've created
1: stories there was always white people it's just that they're just not the lead they're just not the lead and so but then like so back in the day one of the the notes that used to come back would be like oh you know um we need a way into your story and so maybe you can um if you made this character white then it would be more universal wow. and and so there'd be times where I'm just like, no, I want to tell it from this angle, yeah. from this perspective, yeah. like having a white lead telling my story yeah. doesn't help me. Yeah. And once I watched this thing about the woman who wrote um, Orange is the New Black, yes. and she said that, that if she didn't um, make the white character the lead, even though all the other ethnic characters in it were yeah. the ones that she wanted to tell the story of, they wouldn't have made it. Yeah. And I sat down and I was like, I still couldn't have made that compromise wow. because I'm too stubborn for that. Yeah. So I'm like, well, fine. You don't want to do it that way. Like I would still have fought for create, what's her name? Um, I don't know the name. Crazy of the character. I, um... Cra- yeah. But I would have fought for her character to be yeah. the lead. Like I would have still gone all the way and gone. I want to tell a story about her. Yeah. And that's what I was going for. And so sometimes it's like, well, At the end of the day now, that woman can hopefully create whatever she wants to create. So maybe doing that compromise is helpful, but I don't know. I just don't know how to do it.
0: Do you know what I think here? um, And this is the moving on to my next question was like, you know, I don't know if you know about a guy called Rapman. Yeah,
1: I know Ratman, yeah.
0: What do you think about Ratman's roots, where he he wrote something, uh, Shiro's story, and, you know, he blew up on the internet, and it's his own, it's like his own art, yeah. you know, and, you know, um, that is someone who reached out to the people first, before the industry, right, who the people took him before yeah. the industry.
1: I, ha- I actually have interest in story about Ratman, yeah. because... Three years ago, he emailed me because I was trying to write a musical, and he emailed me and he messaged me on Twitter, and he was just like, "Hey, I heard you write musicals. I need to send you something because I need I want to write a musical, right?" Mm-hmm. And um, he emailed me, but for for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I didn't see the email, and I didn't, and I think I forgot or whatever. So we never ever like anything ever happened in terms of like being a part of his project or whatnot so it's really interesting the idea that like yeah like I feel like if if there's something that's embarrassing for me probably is that that <laughs> okay. the idea that like because it's so funny that when I didn't know about Shiro's story till my nieces and nephews I think it was number three was coming out yeah. and they were doing this whole like oh we need we were going out somewhere they were like we need to get home we need to get home because Shiro's story I was like what's Shiro's story they were like what you haven't seen it you need to watch one and two because three's coming out and then and then I, I was like oh I know his name I was like oh yeah he emailed me oh Auntie Boy like how could you what you you could have possibly wrote Shiro's story and like that what you could have been famous and I was just like oh wow like for young people, yeah. that's something that's, like, so, so huge, huge yeah. and so kind of, like... And so, yeah, if there's anything that I feel like I've missed out on, that's probably that.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, in life, you especially when you're, go, you're a go-getter, there are things that will come across Yeah, 100%.
1: Because uh, I always felt that, like, it's not even like, oh, I deliberately ignored him or that I just felt... I just think that nah, I was probably trying to do my own thing. Yeah. This is, like, when someone's just like, oh, come and do this thing with me, it's mm-hmm. just like, but well, I'm trying to do my own thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, so I think that that's probably where... I probably missed that email cuz I know, didn't respond.
0: <laughs> but then it, it 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 makes me I was what I was saying was like he he literally went his own path and popped in his own way and so sometimes i have that um query myself because there's these industries that you try and enter and you literally have to become a box or some sort of something to actually enter into the industry navigating the urban scene and the commercial scene at the same time when creating work is a constant battle i speak to bola on what she advises
1: So i always say my advice that i always say to people is this I would say, because I came up through the mainstream, so, like, more mainstream people, like, not mainstream people, but, like, mainstream media yes. know who I am than, I guess, like, like the urban underground. Like, most, like, urban underground people don't know who I am. Yes. Like, because I came up through a mainstream theatre, okay. so um, anything that was written about me came through the mainstream news. Like, but I realised how lonely it was being, like what you're saying, being a part of that box but still feeling like you don't fit in. Yeah. And desperately wanting the people to come and see my work so desperately wanting people that look like me to come to the theater like I didn't care whether or not I won awards or like the fit is like 90% white I'm like why can't the theater be 90% black like I've always kind of had that so with young people like all the people that I mentor I always say to them especially the ones that come up through like the social media because they've done like you know um vines or Insta videos or whatever, I'm always saying to them, we have to learn to navigate the two. Mm-hmm. We have to learn that, because the mainstream is the main, like, people forget that yeah, there's already a ready, the and also there's a system in place, like, there is a system, like, when you want to make stuff, mm-hmm. there is a hierarchy and there is a system. Now, you can dismantle that system, someone like, like, Ratman mm-hmm. who has done that through Shiro's story, mm-hmm. but at the same time, He's still going to now get companies mainstream who are going to be like, we want to create this, come and join and work with us. And like what you said, they've got the money to and the investments to do that. We in England, who are our big investors that will come and give us money to go and create something and set up or set up a production company or be. There's There's
0: so nobody that it is. Jay-Z Zero That's what I'm
1: saying (laughs) In America they do They've got Jay-Z They've got They've got Lee Daniels They've got got Oprah They've got so many Different people Who have Who have got A level of wealth That can go Okay well we're going to Start our own industry Uh Like Where when Where we where we can work alongside them and still put up the money in the back end. Mm -hmm. We don't have anybody that can put up the money or the back end. So we are stuck in that system. We are stuck with like, we have to get to a level of success before we become that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I always say to people, yeah, you've got to, you've got to learn that there are two industries. There's the urban industry and then there's the mainstream industry. And your best bet is to try and navigate both. Both. That's what I'm always trying to do. I'm trying to go, I want to be, I want to. I want my work to speak to both levels. Like, yeah. and when I say speak to both levels, like, I mean that. Yeah, I want to be able to go into these mainstream rooms mm-hmm. and pitch an idea that they think is, I know is valuable, mm-hmm. but hopefully someone's gonna feel like, oh, I can get behind this, and, and this thing's gonna make us money, yes. right? Yeah. So I'm interested in that.
0: Yeah, I feel that like that's fun. the sweet spot. To be yeah. fair, like you know telling stories from the urban community but getting it backed by a commercial yeah and
1: getting it backed in the right way because what you know i it does it used to upset me when people used to complain about like ah why is it that like it's only hood stories that get to get made and why is it that like ah we always make like we don't really make good content and we don't but also what people also don't understand is that actually a lot of people who a lot of urban films that have come out are films where people have put their own money into it yeah. and have tried to create an industry for themselves. Mm-hmm. The ones that get funding and backing, like my film got got um, backing from the BFI, right? Mm-hmm. But it was a low-budget film. Yeah. It was like we had the least, sorry, the least investment for our film than, than most other films do. Mm-hmm. Like, And so when you're given a small amount of money, to make it, but then also the expectation is still the same on us. Oh, we're, gonna, we're not gonna give you that much money to make this thing, but we still need it to be the best. It still needs to be number one. And it, that was when I learned that like, okay, so you make a black film or whatever they perceive as a black film, a niche film, a low budget film, you're not gonna get the cinema screens that a Marvel film's gonna get, or a film that's got a 10 million pound investment or 20 million or a hundred million pound investment. I remember when we, had, um, when we were like, our film got made and it was going to go to the cinema and they were like, yeah, we're going to give you 20 cinema screens. I was like, what? What does that even mean? So it's not going to go to every cinema in London or in England? Nah, just 20. And then even in the cinemas, like some of the cinema screens that we got were 50 seaters, 100 seaters. How is our film going to be number one with 50 seats? How are we going to even make the money back when the investment's not there? Like, I think it was only two cinemas that the film lasted, I think, three to four weeks. Um, And that was because, yeah, I mean, it was predominantly... um, People know, like, Odeon in in Greenwich, like, people know to go there to go and watch certain films. So, like... That's why, and so, because the demand got higher in the first opening week, weekend, they would open up bigger screens and they would give us bigger screens. But we people don't know that education. People are like, oh, you've got a film in a cinema. I'll go and watch that anytime. Mm. My film wasn't going to be in the cinema six weeks later if yeah. people didn't go and watch it in the first weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's a kind of, it's a weird situation to be in that people don't understand how the industry actually, actually works.
0: Uh, you know, I really appreciate you saying that as well because you... There's so much education that needs to go into um, what you know consumers can do to to support creators yeah, because there's not that knowledge. Yeah,
1: there's not the knowledge, and so people go, "Oh, it's just urban films that get made." But like, I'm really good friends with Femi Oyoderen. and he he makes Intent, and people, some people are sometimes up in arms about, "Oh, why is Intent out there? Why does that? Why is that the only thing to represent us?" But I know how hard this guy works, how he grafted, how much. He, he has tried to create an industry with no, um, the industry's not behind him. It's not like he's got funding and these fundings exist for people like us, but there are no people going towards him. His funding that he's got were from private investors and private backers. So to, to get to that level and be able to still do that and put films into a cinema, it is important because every time, like I know him, so I know personally, like his journey is that he wants to eventually make, tell stories that everybody's going, we need those stories. Mm -hmm. But he's one of those people that's like, well, I need to do this first in order to do that. Whereas like some of us are like, well, I don't want to do that. I need to just do this, (laughs) right? And we need to be able to respect that actually there's two types of people because there's different ways to go about it. Two things, right? Most of the, like, actors now, black actors, have got to a level of fame that the world knows them. You've got John Boyega, who is a megastar. You've got Daniel Kaluuya, who's also a megastar. Like, you've got these actors who get to a level of fame that the world knows them at. But when you look at the stories that they are involved in, not necessarily, well, I mean, Daniel, his fame was from Get Out, so that's slightly different. But John Boyega was in Star Wars. Most of the films that John's been in have been written by white writers, have been directed by white directors like so they're not They're stories that have global reaches but then at the same time the creative behind it aren't the people that represent us or or are look like us right but but john started his career in a play by a black playwright by black playwrights he was in my play he was in roy williams play and kwame's play right and that was where one of the casting directors saw him and then he auditioned for um, Attack the Block and yeah. then he got Attack the Block. Yeah. Now, so sometimes people go, oh, there's nobody, there's nobody, there's nobody. No, there are people like me, there are directors, there are other writers who are trying to tell our stories. Yeah. But then we don't get the, it's really hard for us to get to that level where we can tell those stories um on a global scale. Yeah. And so the fight is harder because we're right at the beginning. Yeah. So you see an actor and an actor gets a job and they're in a film and they film for six weeks and then maybe six six months later, the film's out, mm-hmm. right? But the journey begins way before that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we are being cut short in our journey where we're proposing ideas and people are like, no, nah, that idea is not gonna work. Yeah. That idea is not gonna work. Yeah. It's just gonna take longer. Mm-hmm. So I think that people, People just need to understand that and understand that there are people fighting from the ground up, trying to like change this narrative and trying to kind of, you know, fight to tell our stories. And and I'm hopeful that things will change because there's more of us now fighting for it. That need to go, I want someone to represent me. Yeah. So you're like, okay, who is it? Who is it? Oh, you. Okay. You need to now fit into all of our boxes, like you need to represent every shade of blackness, you need to represent the different types of black people, and you can't, you can't, we can't hold just one person up to be our standard, and lucky for white people is that they do, they've got, they can watch a period piece drama and be like, this is what I like. This is the type of art I like. Or they can watch EastEnders and be like, this is what I like. We don't ever get to have that range. We don't ever get to go, this doesn't speak to me, but this does. Like, you know, and so when someone gets up and just goes, I'm just going to create something and I'm going to put people in a room and I'm going to create our own talk show and I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to salute them. You have to.
0: Yeah, especially if they stay... they keep ownership
1: yeah because that's what's important that is what's important because the only way that we're going to keep doing more of the things that we want to do is if we are in those rooms having those conversations and yeah being a part of it and if you don't have ownership they'll tell you how to create your stuff Uh,
0: with your uh, artistry what what else do you want to add to the list? i mean you got you got Um, playwright you've got screenwriter what else is I think
1: eventually like I probably will get into like directing um, but I feel like I just need to just be the best writer I could possibly be before I become a director and also like I'm interested in producing because again I'm interested in the idea of like how do we sustain you know the film industry is just like the music industry it's a business like and so we have to have the level of education to understand that it's a business and I think that That's something that I'm really interested in, the business side of it. How do we not only create the work, but also own the work? How do we have that? How do we have that ownership? Because that's the only way that we're going to be able to create more work
0: if we have ownership over it. I agree. And I feel like... It, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much. You. I believe in like giving people their roses when they are alive. So I just want to acknowledge you once again for doing thank the work you, so you do, thank and you. just being like, you know, I, w- I want to encourage you to keep going. Um, and, and anything you have, I will watch it, support it. My family will support it. That is the truth. Thank well, thank you so much, Bola. I have three last questions for you before you go. Um, using the sentence, "What if a black girl knew." Yeah. Could you please uh, recommend me a book that uh, a black girl should know but using the sentence what if a black girl knew you have been listening to W I A B G K, the what if a black girl knew podcast this podcast is sponsored by my one woman show showing at the battersea art center on the 21st 22nd and 23rd of march 2019 titled for women get your tickets now for Women. So what if a black girl
1: knew that there is a book called Slay in Your Lane, um, which is the Black Girl's Bible? It's a really, really great book. I wish that this book existed when I was young because it would explain so much of like my experience without me feeling like I'm going mad. Because again, like yeah, it's such a really good book because there's so many black women, successful black women who contribute to the book, who talk about their experiences, um, and it's relatable.
0: And secondly, using the sentence, what if a black girl knew, uh, could you please give uh, give me advice for your younger self?
1: What if a black girl knew that they weren't alone? <laughs> yeah. That's one thing that I definitely would say, that you're not alone, that like everything you're feeling, everything you've gone through, the way that the world treats you or doesn't see you, we've all been through it. And I think that, the comfort comes with knowing that you're not alone.
0: So last but not least, using the same sentence, what if a black girl knew? Uh, could you recommend me somebody that I should know?
1: What if a black girl knew about Destiny Ekeraga? She is one of my good friends. She's also a director. She directed Gone Too Far. Um, she is amazing. She is the person that whenever this industry gets too much, I call her up and I'm like, Destiny, You won't believe that this person said X, Y and Z and she would just always come back and be like, you know who you are, (laughs) boy. Don't take no shit. And remember, her favorite line is we should we're never going to say thank you for this opportunity, because the reason why we're in these rooms and in these spaces is because we put ourselves there. So there's no one in this world that's going to make us feel like they're the ones that brought us to this table when we are. It's our hard work that brought us here. And I think that. Black women are constantly told that they need to be grateful. And I think it was 2015, Destiny, January, Destiny was just like, I'm not gonna be grateful anymore because I've worked too damn hard for people to tell me
0: that you should just be grateful. So she's a person that definitely, I think, that the world needs to know more Nigerian about. British writer that is Bola Abaje is so eloquent and so articulate in the way she talks us through her experiences as a writer and also her aims to get black women's stories on the big screen. I hope you've learned so much today too. What if a black girl knew that she would be desired by others only if she desired herself? That beauty is not a shade but a mindset and the best indicator of it is self-confidence as I talk some sense, insert here confidence.